0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Jubilee Church International. Jubilee is devoted to making disciples, winning the loss to Christ, building strong families, and taking the gospel to the nations. Open your Bibles and join us as the presence of the Holy Spirit helps us to grow a little deeper. Man, last week we started a series, Who is Jesus?, who is Jesus? Well, to some people, he's a historical figure, a religious icon, and I think many times, even in our own Christianity, um, he's just kind of an icon of. Well, he's the uh, he's the object of our uh, religious or theological concepts, folks. He's got to become so much more than that. Amen. He's got to become more than the the basis of your theology. He's got to become. An intimate, he's got to become an intimate essence of all that you are. He's got to literally define every fiber of your being. Amen? That's why he said, I am the way. Look with me in John fourteen six. Last week, we talked about what it meant that Jesus is the way. And there is no other way, contrary to what many would propagate today in modern culture, that, well, there's many ways, you just choose your way. In fact, even in Hinoism, the idea of Hinoism is that all are equal, I just choose my way, and I can't judge your way, who am I to judge your way? I, this is the way I've chosen and there's many ways. Well that's like saying all roads lead to Texas and they don't do they, Mark? Yes they do. <laughs> no <laughs> contrary to <laughs> Contrary to what Texans believe. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> he's still hoping the Cowboys will go to the Super Bowl too, but hey, <laughs> Just- that's right they can buy tickets (laughs) but there's only one way and that way is jesus and he's just not one option he is the the way the way not a way he is the way and not only is he the way he's also the truth Because any other way without the truth is the wrong way. (laughs) Amen? Any other way without the truth is the wrong way. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father. What does he mean, come to the Father? Well, get saved and go to heaven, Right. No, much more than that. Much more than that. Jesus never was really preaching, just get saved and go to heaven. He was preaching the engrafting of the sons and daughters of God into the kingdom, into the family. And even in this very verse, no one in context of all that Jesus taught... He is saying here, no one enters into the kingdom of my Father. You can't be grafted into the family. You can't know the blessings. You can't know the inheritance. You can't know the eternal relationship. You cannot come to the Father. And notice something else here that's very singular. The Father. There's only one. No one comes to the Father except through me. You're not, you know what that means? You can't go around me, over me. There's no, there's no other option except me. There is no other option except me. You know, so often I use a lot of Hebrew words that most are unfamiliar with. And the reason for using the Hebrew is is to is to take us back to the root of the the mind of Christ. It's not for intellectual sake, it's it's to know the 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 most intimate thoughts of Christ. So often I use a lot of Hebrew words that we're unfamiliar with. In previous messages, um, I've broken down the Hebrew word emet, which means truth and how in it we find a deeper soul, or he, Hebraic revelation of the Christ, of Yeshua being the way, the truth, and the life. But today, I want to start and build understanding who Jesus is, the truth. I want to start with a very simple Hebrew word, that every one of you are probably extremely familiar with, have said many, many times, didn't know you were speaking Hebrew. You thought it was King James Version. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) The seemingly simple little word, Amen. Everybody say, "Amen." Amen. 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 Simple little Hebrew word can be found in thousands of languages around the world. And what we probably don't realize is in that one little word, amen, is the revealing of an of the of an essence of Messiah that few ever know. The common understanding of the word or the term amen is usually simply, well, truly or surely, or let it be so. Amen. We say a prayer and we say amen uh let it you know let it be so let it be in hopes that god will favor that blessing or that prayer i don't know what we're expecting when we pray over fried chicken and end with amen hoping god will make it healthy i guess i don't know french fries and cheeseburgers pizza praying over pizza Really? <laughs> you know, you just need to just say, thank you, Lord, we get to eat again. Amen. Yeah, we eat a lot of pizza in my family. Amen. It's part of ministry, isn't it, Joshua? Joshua says, that's the only part of ministry I like, is pizza. <laughs> but etymologically, amen is related to the nouns steadfastness, trustworthiness, or the word "emuna" to be trustworthy. Or emet, truth. The Septuagint includes seven untranslated instances of the term amen. It translates the other instances in Greek using various terms, such as the verb may it be, or the adjective true and faithful, or the adverb truly. Okay seems like a simple word. but what is the true essence of this simple little word and how does it apply to the Christ? see you find um, we find it throughout the scriptures amen I particularly in the Psalms and others. in fact you even see the word Selah. how I many you know what Selah means It's a musical pause. Why is it there? Why is that musical? Oh, it's a break. So the harp can, he can rest his fingers and he can go back to playing the harp. No. (laughs) Selah is so that you pause and you contemplate what God has just revealed. That's that's what's happening in the Psalms. Selah. You stop. You take in the, the awe of all that God is. And then God begins to reveal himself and speak again but what is amen what's the essence it's very it's very <laughs> prophetic to be honest the essence of the word is affirmation everybody say affirmation amen it's done it's where god puts a period where often we put a comma god puts a period sometimes we put a period where god puts a Comma or a semicolon. <laughs> He's not finished yet. But it's where God says it's a done deal. It's finished. The word Amen is the, affirmate, uh, the affirmative response to a blessing from God. <speaking in Hebrew> Amen. God ends it with, Amen. It's the affirmative response from the blessing of God. According to Joseph Lowen, the, the, the closest equivalent can be found in the modern American slang. Are you ready? Equivalent in the modern American slang to Amen. Right on. Look <laughs> at his neighbor say, right on. Y'all remember, uh, who was that? Dynamite, (laughs) right on, J.J. (laughs) Right on, man. Believe it or not, probably the most proximate to the original sense of the root, aleph memnon, amen, which as a verb, now here's the essence, watch this. It's the affirmative, of the blessing of God, which God's blessings comes to those We walk in His way. The affirmative is the truth. It's the truth of the way. It means to array in a straight line. Amen. Things are in order. This gives new understanding to array to a in a straight line gives new understanding or gives a deeper context to the messianic prophecies such as that found in Isaiah chapter 40. look there with me Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 he says a voice cries in the wilderness and of course this is we see this prophetically fulfilled through John the immerser right? I had two guys at the gate at Camp Robinson. I was coming in one day. And they said, oh, the preacher's here. You can settle an argument. And I said, okay, what's your argument? One's a Catholic, one's a Baptist. <laughs> and the Catholic guy says, tell him that the first church was in Rome and St. Peter was a Catholic. Said, no, no, neither of those are true. I ah, see, I told you so. Tell him John was a Baptist. No. <laughs> No, he was John the Immerser. (laughs) But in the wilderness, prepare, what? There it is a way. Chalach, the way of the Lord. Chalach, the way of Adonai. Make straight, there it is, amen. Make it sure. Make it trustworthy. Make it absolute. Make straight in the desert. In other words, in the most barren places, a highway. A way to get there. A way for our God. To get where? To get to you. Amen. In Jewish history, in the story of Hadessa, who knows who Hadessa was? One. One person, two persons, three persons. Hadessa Esther. A derivative. From the root, amen is found. In the context of Hadassah and Mordecai, we find a derivative of the amen is aman. A M A N. In the. um, I'm going to spell it for you in our language, some sense. We find the word aman, meaning. To tutor, to teach, to bring up a child in the way they should go. That's discipleship. To bring up a child in the way they should go. Right there in that one little word. I'm on Many Christian parents have quoted it in hopes that their child would somehow just get it through parental hope. Look with me, Proverbs twenty-two, six. Aman, train up a child. Aman, teach, tutor, mold, shape, disciple a child in the way. The way there it is again. halak. Contextually, it is halach, the way of the Lord, the Christ. There he is. Train up Aman, teach, mentor, disciple a child in Christ. In the Christ. In the way that He should go. And even when He is old, He will not depart from it. Why? Because it will become His way of life. So this verse again starts with the idea of a man to mentor, to train, to tutor, to teach, to disciple them in the way. We've We've already covered who the way is, right? But note That in this proverb we see the way and conceptually it is indeed the idea of halak, as you will see. Or the way of the Christ and the law of the Lord. But the word actually used here is the word darach. Darach. Meaning the path or journey in which one takes. Train a child, disciple a child in the path, in the journey. Halach means the way, the way one walks. It means your lifestyle, the choices you make, your values. It speaks of your your morals, your values, your ethics. Mold and shape them. And so in, in the journey that they will take. In other words, the reason for the change in the word derech versus halach is this. It denotes that a parent has to guide their child through the choices and help them make the right ones, not by just speaking it to them, but by leading by example. It's quite different. That's the true essence of discipleship. Again, remember, in Jesus' day, the idea of Talmudim or discipleship was among the Pharisees, come and I'll teach you what I know. Jesus, Rabbi Yeshua, comes and turns this idea of Talmudin upside down and says, I don't want to just teach you what I know. I want to make you who I am. I want to make you who I am. So you're not just going to be apprentice of theology. You're going to be a disciple of the Christ. I am the way. Again, Jesus' day, the Torah was called the way. The way of the law. There was no other way to God except through the law. And Jesus comes and says, I am the fulfillment. I am the law. I am the fullness. I am all the law. I come to not just... I, I didn't come to do away with the law. I come to do what? Fulfill it or set it right. Put it in its straight way. Because they had taken the law of God and kind of made it crooked to fit their own power and control and everything else. Fit their own ways. Folks, you can't can't take the law of God and adjust it to your way. You adjust your way to the way of the Lord. Amen? Amen? And so, this is the upbringing of a child in true affirmation found in Christ not culture's postmodern humanism or of sex self actualization this is very prevalent in our culture today it's led to a lot of confusion and false identity and people don't even know what gender they are and everything else self actualization by definition it is maslow's hierarchy of needs listen to the definition where one achieves the highest level of psychological development. Where personal potential is fully realized after basic bodily and ego needs have been fulfilled. Can you say perversion of truth? Unfortunately, entire generations have been raised under this perverted, humanistic concept. And just look at us now. This is not the way of Christ, nor is it the truth. And contrary to modern culture and Christian easy believism, there is but one truth. The truth. So many people believe and and live by untruths that that have molded and shaped their worldviews. There are How many know there are consequences to untruth? Let's just look at the corruption and the untruth in our government, in our nation. Look at what happens when untruth comes into a marriage. Look what happens when there's dysfunction in the family and we try to cover it up, sweep it under a rug, keep it hidden, keep it silenced. Put on a good Jesus face at church. We we got one image at church and another image at home. Now you're living in untruth. You try to put truth on the forefront and, and, and you know, in front of everybody else. But in actuality, you're living in untruth. But folks, untruth has consequences, doesn't it? But there's only one antidote to untruth, and you know what that is? Truth. Untruth can lead to false identities, and we we have, we live by untruths. We deal with them uh, as pastors all the time when we do counseling. Things that uh, um, that we pick up in our childhood we call there's another word for it. baggage, emotional baggage, identity baggage. We pick up baggage that's not ours. It's got our parents' name tag on the baggage. And we're carrying it around for them. Nope. <laughs> Thank you, Angela. And she said, not me. I said, I checked that into the spiritual TSA. <laughs> but we carry baggage around. It's untruths. We bring them up into our childhood and then they mold and shape us. Our values and ethics and our perceptions of life and relationship and Church even. Come on, we carry untruths even in the church. I've told my wife when we started ministry, you do not, to be a pastor's wife, you do not have to sing and play a piano. You just don't. It's an untruth. <laughs> well, pastor's wife should sing and play piano. No. No. She's she's doing children's church. (laughs) But now we buy these false conceptions and perceptions and, and these untruths that we carry in life. And untruths can lead to false identity, they can lead to broken relationships. Untruths lead to despair and discontentment, confusion, and all kinds of dysfunction. But truth can restore. Say that with me. Truth can restore when untruths creep in you know what's lost trust when an untruth creeps in trust is lost trust in relationships trust in identity trust even in truth i mean you you can lose trust in truth when somebody has violated truth with an untruth we lose trust in truth But you know how you restore that? You return to truth. Who is truth? Truth isn't your perception of truth. Truth is not your truth or somebody. It's truth is Jesus Christ. If you want restoration, let truth have its way. John 8, 31 through 32. Look there with me. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, if you abide in me, abide. Hebrew—it's the concept of debach. It means to cling to. It means to be melded together, eternally inseparable. If you abide in my word, my davar, you are truly my talmideim, my disciples, and you will yada. You, you will know. You will be intimate with truth amet and truth will set you free wow there's so much there I could do a whole another sermon just on that verse Merriam Webster defines truth as several definitions but the most the one that, that sticks out truth is reality Truth is the affirmative. Therefore, truth cannot be subjective or relative. It must be absolute. It must be transcendent. It is not defined by mankind nor by his nature. Fallen from truth, if we as Christians, folks, if we do not truly know truth, the word "know" there is what yada to be to be intimate with, right? You die to know, to have intimate knowledge. Said it before, Genesis, it said Adam knew his wife Eve. And she bore a son. Only know one way a man knows his wife and she bears fruit is intimate knowledge, right? If we don't have intimate knowledge, we don't have an intimate relationship with truth. How can we be the salt of the earth? Matthew 5.13 He said, you are the salt of the earth. What does that have to do with Jesus being the truth? If you don't know the truth, if you don't have this intimate relationship with truth, if truth is not defining the very fiber and essence of all that you are, your innermost thoughts, your beings, uh, no matter who you are, where you are, or who you're with, he said. You then, then you're, you lose your saltiness. He said, "You're the salt of the earth, but its salt has lost its taste. How shall its saltiness be restored?" What did Jesus say about how we taste to Him? He said, "I'd rather you be hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm." Spit you out. How shall its saltiness be restored? He says it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the people's feet. In fact, in Jesus' day in the tabernacle, what they do is they have the salt for the sacrifice. And the salt that had lost its savor that was no longer useful for sacrifice. You could not use salt on the sacrifice if it had lost its saltiness. God would not receive the sacrifice. For well, there's a whole other message right there. I don't know about you. <laughs> so what they do is they take the salt that had lost its savor. And they would spread it on the floor of the tabernacle over the temple because the floors would be slick and there'd be blood everywhere and they would spread the the useless salt on the floor to be trampled so it would give them they walk on it that's what he's saying here it's only the only thing it's useful for is to be trampled on so Salt is made up of a number of chemical compounds. Here we go, Pastor Woody. We're going to talk science. Salt's made up of a number of chemical compounds, but what it is mostly, what makes it salty, what makes it useful is sodium chloride. Right? i got a truth. I've got affirmation. Can you say amen? Amen. (laughs) <laughs> sodium chloride which is very stable and will keep its usefulness for years but if salt is exposed to water or diluted the sodium chloride can be dissolved and removed and salt will lose its essence or its saltiness or oh, it still looks like salt But it's no longer useful. And so we too. Can look the same on the outside. But if we let our faith become weak. We'll lose our usefulness in the kingdom of God. And how does our faith become weak? Well we can talk about sin and compromise and this and that and everything else. But there's another way that I see that our, our faith Becomes weak. And Dr. Wheeler talked about it a few weeks ago. When we begin to assimilate culture into our life. When we allow culture to take precedence over Christ. When we adjust Christ to culture in our life. When we begin to assimilate. It weakens the faith. Why? Because we're letting untruth. We're mixing untruth with truth. Politicians do it all the time. They'll take a little untruth and put it with the truth. And that's no longer truth. It's an untruth. Right? That's what he meant. he, He said, when a little leaven does what? Leavens or ruins the whole lump. So we lose our usefulness in the kingdom. Look at what he says in Jude 4. In Jude 4, he says, For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of God. Now, you know who he's talking about here? He's not just talking about, he's talking about people who look like salt, sound like salt. Man, they can prophesy salty. I mean, (laughs) whatever. But their life has lost the saltiness of truth. It's not truth. It looks like truth, sounds like truth, it's not truth. Unguildy people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, I could continue taking you down a trail of Hebrew word study. But the point that I want you to leave with today is this. When we get to the Hebrew word for truth, we find again the same root we find in the affirmation. The blessings from God. Amen. 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 So, how does a follower of the Christ who's lost their saltiness find their usefulness in Christ once again? Restore truth. Restore truth to your life. Live truth. Become intimate with truth once again. Build your entire life upon truth. See, what's, what we, that sounds so simple, but the hard part is this. In order to build your life on truth, you have to deny your life. You have to take up your cross. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Him. You have to give up your own will, your own wants, your own desires, and take His, yes, again, We've bought this lie that Christ come into my life. If I accept Christ into my life, He'll make my life better and I will be happy. No, He came to teach us to die to our life and live His. Embrace truth. Jude 20 and 21. But you, beloved Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads us to eternal life. Amen. There is no higher affirmation for your life than that of the blessing of the Father. Amen. And neither the blessings or the affirmation can be found in anything, anywhere, except in the greatest blessing He's ever given us, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. The truth. The way, the truth. Amen. Amen, Amen. Amen. Stand, Stand. with me if you will. where will you come? I leave you with this this morning. Whose affirmation have you spent your entire life seeking? You know, I remember my daughters growing up and, and they would come in and they'd get dressed on Sunday morning. Mama would help them get their get them dressed and everything and they'd come in, every one of them would come in at some point to me while I was getting dressed and say, hey daddy, I look pretty. (laughs) Yes you do. You look beautiful. One thing I have never failed to do as a father. My girls will attest to this, right? I always remind them of how beautiful they are. They're beautiful. I look in their faces. I text them. Beautiful, beautiful. Amen. Yes. Because affirmation is important. Yes, it is. Even when we become adults, we still want affirmation. I try to remind my boys as frequently as I can. I'm proud of you proud of them. yes. Not for what they accomplish. I'm proud of that. Whether it's football or music or arts or martial arts, whatever it is. I'm proud of what they accomplish, but more more importantly I'm proud of who they become. Amen. Amen. As long as they, their hearts are set on Christ. Amen. As their hearts and who they are portrays The compassion and the hope and the love and the grace of Christ in their life, I'm proud of that. Amen. That's what it means, the affirmation of the blessing of the Father. That's what the Aaronic prayer, the priestly blessing. It wasn't a blessing just given by the priest. It was an affirmation of Father God upon the children of Israel. I've made this covenant with you and I affirm you as my people. My people. It was an affirmation of the Father. Whose affirmation have you spent your entire life seeking? Even as adults, we want the affirmation of our peers, don't we? We do. We want people to like us. Nobody likes to be alone. Nobody likes rejection. We want people... And and sometimes we let it control us, don't we? Some people, we're afraid to speak or socialize because we're afraid we might say something wrong and what people might think. I've heard this in the church growing up. Worrying about what other people are going to think. Whose affirmation are you seeking? Whose affirmation are you seeking today? You'll only find the affirmation that you seek through truth. See? I got an amen. You know what that means? Truth. Truth. Means yes, Pastor, that's true. Well, who's true? What's true? Jesus. Well, how can you affirm that? Because I'm talking about Jesus. I'm saying what He said. Affirm that is truth. You'll only find the affirmation you seek through truth. Jesus Christ is indeed the way, the truth, the way and the truth. Amen? Amen. Close your eyes with me. Father, we come to you this morning. Oh, Lord Jesus. Only you can fulfill the affirmation that solidifies, that marks the seal, the the blood seal of the covenant that redeemed us and re-identified us not as lost sheep, not as abandoned children or children of darkness, but by your blood, the the affirmative seal, the blood of Jesus Christ sealed the deal. Amen. It was done. It was finished. Your affirmation. So Lord when what when life and untruths try to creep and find their way into my thinking, my identity, my fear, when, when un, the untruth of fear comes in, when the untruth of, of hopelessness or despair comes in, Lord, let the affirmation of truth. Let me stand and say, in the midst of my trials and my crisis or my hardship or whatever I'm dealing with, let me stand and say, Amen. The promises of God are yes. And amen. I hear that all the time. And and I think you really don't know the essence of what you're saying. Whether yes and amen. It means, you know, it's good to go. It's right on. Oh, it's so much more. The blessings of the promises of God are found in the truth. Yes and amen. The affirmation of Jesus Christ. Who sealed the deal. Come on, if you're here this morning, and whatever you're dealing with, just lay it at the hands of the Master. Lay it at His at His feet and, and put it in His hands and, and just say, Amen. It's well with my soul. I affirm, I I, I stand in agreement with who you are God I, I stand in your tr- in, in in your truth you are trustworthy you are faithful to keep that which I've entrusted into you Amen Amen Panav May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, may Adonai, turn his face towards you. and Give you peace. And all the people said, Amen. 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 Amen.